What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Hey, B! Uh, that song had two drummers on it. Not a lot of people know that. Two drummers? Sledgehammer? Well, no, I don't know. I just For those uh, on the YouTube version of this podcast, we both decided to, uh, to drum the beginning of that song. Uh, welcome to another podcast to start a week. This is available in both audio. If you're listening to it, it's available on YouTube. If you're watching it, as John likes to say, it's down there in the description. We got quarantine, uh, quarantine livers, guy. People uh, need to give them a lot of different mediums podcast uh we've kind of just been doing a couple a week you know makes sense in quarantine did you say quarantine much. livers well people are just living in quarantine oh, livers like livers thought, like living their life i thought you were talking about all the liver disease that's going to come out no of not that that too but definitely just the quarantine life and just being stuck and and watching youtubes and uh listening to shit probably a li- i think it is a little harder to listen uh it, part of it is just there's an urgency a lot to our podcast because it was usually reacting to things like our draft podcast, our free agency podcast did really yeah. good. But for the last you know two months, just hasn't been that much pressing information. Now we right. thrive in that environment because we can do shit on anything. But we like it would have been nice to have the Masters or maybe some sweet thing happen in the Kentucky Derby, right? Or be like, damn, are the Lakers going to lose in the second round of the playoffs? I mean, I, I don't know about you. Oh, I do know about you. We kind of like that shit around here. Yeah. You know? I thought well, about that last a, night. Like, I wonder who would have won the Masters this year. I know it's still technically going on, we think. In November, but. yeah. Uh, did you see when you're watching the last dance Sunday night, the promo for the greatest UFC card ever assembled? I think it's this. It's a pay-per-view. Yeah. Or it's, is it pay-per-view or ESPN Plus? Well, it's, I don't, either way, it's coming up this week, right? Saturday, right? Where, though? Because they were just supposed to have it in... I think L.A. Princess. a couple weeks ago. Did you see the uh, Carnival Cruises plan on making a comeback? <laughs> August 1st. Oh, 
Really? I just read an article today about a guy who's a singer on one of the cruises. He's stuck in his room and he's still in the Bahamas, just on his boat eating I, rice and beans. I just saw like CNBC tweeted out Carnival Cruise August first is a uh, is a set date for their attempt to come back. I gotcha. You think yeah. that's a full price ticket, or you get a little discount if you're an early readopter? You know, I need to check Ticketmaster. I'm still waiting for my refund on the Kings Pelicans. You know, I they're just whole, whole, it's postponed. No, guys, it's over. Send me my fucking money back. Yeah, because if that game does happen, it won't be with fans. So yeah, is the chances of that game happening though low? Although they did just postpone the. Um, uh, May nineteenth was supposed to be the uh, lottery that got postponed, which means I expect the draft, the draft, the NBA draft has got to be delayed, right? Well, I did. I freaked out. You can't have a draft until the season ends. I thought it was kind of crazy. My first reaction is like, "Silver, you pussy!" And then I realized, well, it's not in concrete that the season's over, so you can't have a draft lottery that's based on the records for teams. If there's still a chance, even if you just play five games, right? Right. But you're right. The, the, no, it's like it probably wouldn't happen at the Golden 1 Center, one. And two, if it did, some miracle, there's like Middlecoff ain't going to be there in row J. I promise you that. Though, if they did say it was open, I would go. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we get into uh, the, the topics of the day, a couple uh, friends of the podcast, that we, again, local, uh, local friends of the podcast. Oh, you don't have to live locally for all this stuff. You can uh, order or find in your stores. Uh, Kinder's, John. Kinder's Barbecue. Uh, I found myself craving some uh, barbecue uh, on, um, well, most days, but Friday in particular. Did you get any? No, I don't. I I ended up getting, uh, what did I do? Oh, I made a baked ziti the other day uh, for 10 people, but there's only two people eating it. So I've had baked ziti four days in a row. Smart move. I got to get through that first. Cinco de Mayo, though, John's going to be big. Gonna be big tomorrow. Uh, the, the, yeah, our friends at Kinder's been in business since 1946. They have, I think, ten shops uh, around the greater Bay Area, Northern California. Great barbecue, great sandwiches, good lunch meal. If you're driving around looking for something to eat, you know, type in Kinder's. Support them. Uh, friends of the program. Uh, yeah, we're just trying to help our our friends out. And uh, Evergood Sausages, which is not, I mean, that's wherever you do your shopping. I'm not sure. I don't, they're not like in every city across America, but they're in a lot of places. They're in a lot of places. A yeah. lot of grocery stores. Definitely all over California. Costco's, Safeways. Denver, I know. I looked. Seattle. Nugget, nuggets. You know, oh. partial to Nugget here in Davis, California. Yeah. Sacramento, California. I remember it was a big deal when the guy that owned Nuggets when I was growing up he used to have a Rolls Royce. It was like, oh. That guy made it. <laughs> you know, I remember everyone would be like, he drives a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, ever good sausage. I, my, I'm, I'm a sucker. If my for dad, I, never, I don't remember seeing that guy. We both grew up in Davis where there was this nugget, which is just like, just premium. Before the word artisan was around, right? It's just fresh bread, deli. I used to go there for lunch at school. But that, that was the second one. The one by South Davis was more of a normal grocery store. When they put oh, the okay. one in closer to the high school, that Full one was like... On steroids. Remember that thing was badass. You get Chinese yeah. food, pizza, burritos. Thing it was, was like uh, it yeah. was like Whole Foods before Whole Foods. Right. I don't. I don't. I've never saw the guy in the Rolls Royce, but I guarantee if I had seen the guy in the Rolls Royce, what my dad would have said would have. I a hundred bucks. He would have said, "I yeah, but how much does it? What do you think it costs to change that guy's oil?" Well, he's it was right. about it wasn't it wasn't about the cost of the vehicle. It was always about the residual cost that he'd bring up. It's like, yeah, you think you got that Mercedes, but you know what that oil change costs? 
you know the thing is that uh, the Rolls Royce, when you say it out loud, it was it wasn't a new one, right? At the time, like '94, it wasn't whatever the year was. It was from like 1968. It was you a know? classic. Wow. Yeah, it was a classic. It's a power move. Yeah, it is a power move. Wow. It's like the dude uh, who played him, the Hearst Castle guy. Was it? Did Leo play that guy? Remember the movie I'm talking about? Hearst Castle that got uh, shot and swimming in the water. Shot swimming in the water. Yeah, remember Leo was in that movie about the girlfriend. You know, the Hearst Castle. He's driving the old school, like in the, like the 1800s, and he's like swimming laps and gets shot. The Hearst Castle used to be over by San Luis Obispo, famous little area that had all the. Uh, I don't know. He was at Hearst. Oh, oh, you mean like the the famous book? Yeah. What was the movie? The he movie did a, about the book. Um, you know the movie where Leo gets shot by the chick. Yeah. Yeah, the guy. one of the great pieces of American literature. Yeah, yeah. He gets shot at the end? I don't remember I, the end of that book. Does Leo get shot or the other the guy book. gets shot? Who, someone gets shot. Leo pretty, dies, right? Yeah, Leo His dies. His character dies. Yeah. I mean, it's right up there with Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, it's one of those. I was just talking about this the other day because my wife was saying to me that you that I don't like that movie. But I do like that movie. Um, it is kind of weird. I, it's, a, his... it's not psychedelic, but it's a little, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of got the Leo... Shutter Island, a little bit feel where he's just got a lot going on. Is he dreaming this? Is this real? What's really going on? Whatever. Do fucking no, cares. no, no, not whatever. Because everyone is gonna. This is gonna be the comments on YouTube if we don't remember the name of this uh, piece of uh, American literature. Why can't I find it on his IMDb? Yeah, I mean, the great, Ga- the great, Gatsby. the great Gatsby, the great Gatsby. No, yeah. that's important stuff. Yeah. Somebody's reading it. Right You're right. Now that is their, kind of a, that school. is kind of a uh, famous novel. Uh, my mind's not in literature right now. Uh, although we did, you know, what I read every day is, uh, every Monday at least, is Albert Breer. So John Lynch, who we talked about him uh, in a YouTube video about Brandon Ayuk, which you can go watch, among other things, wrote, we've, uh, it did feel good to read all the 40, I don't know about you, it felt good to me to read all of the, uh, the 49ers quotes about Tom Brady over the last week or so. Lynch talked about it to Breer. Uh, he said, yes, the Niners did consider Brady. Brady was interested in coming to San Francisco. The Niners felt like they owed it to themselves to investigate the possibility, given who Brady really is. So they looked at his tape. They were impressed. Um, they also did a deep dive on Garoppolo. If you could get a premium return for Garoppolo and add that to, uh, and then add that to Brady, would it be worth walking away from the guy you built around? We went back and took a hard look at Jimmy, Lynch said. We grinded for a period of three, four days. We both came back, him and Kyle, and said, you know what? We've got the long-term answer right now. We feel strongly about it, as enticing as it is. Uh, we had a responsibility to take a look. We told Jimmy that. We talked to Jimmy and told him what we did. He appreciated that. The great news is we came away more convinced than ever that he's our guy. We felt, I think we probably both felt validated reading this because we both said at the time, if Tom Brady's considering you, which of course he was, you would think, considering the 49ers, you have to take a look at it. Even if you come away with Jimmy, that's fine. But you, it's great. Like, you know, the other thing, just thinking about it, you can't make the same mistake again. And the mistake that Kyle Shanahan has admitted that he made is that he did not really watch that much Patrick Mahomes coming out in 2017. Yeah. So when it comes to quarterback specifically, you just you owe it to everybody. And you owe it to Jimmy. Not only Patrick Mahomes, I think he kind of like Watson. They, they just weren't – they just were focused on Kirk Cousins. It was kind of like a one-year gap year. The, the way the NFL works, and I think pro sports like this in general, they, this always comes up during the draft. 
well, if you already have a quarterback, you have to evaluate the quarterbacks. Or you already have this. You always evaluate every draft like you have the number one overall pick. Because as things change and guys get in the league, you want to know, well, we really like this guy coming out. Right. You see it all the time. A couple years later, all these players are available. Well, it's like if they call you about Leonard Fournette, and this is on a much lower level, you've done the work. Well, yeah. part of your pro scouts, they're, you, you evaluate every player in the league every year. Because at any moment, if you're the fucking 49ers, you might get a call from, like, the Minnesota Vikings. Like, you know, uh, you guys you guys need a safety. Would you like Harrison Smith, or would you be interested? And if you have updated grades. Now, sometimes, depending on the time of the year, you're not super focused. Like, think about the Niners. They wouldn't have been super locked in on the Patriots this year. They didn't play them. They weren't playing common opponents. They, that wasn't their AFC matchup. Even though Tom was going to be an unrestricted free agent, you have a young quarterback who was playing really well that you wouldn't even... And I think most people in the league would just kind of assume like Tom's going to go back to New England. It's just not something that would have been in their focus and then they make it to the Super Bowl and then it kind of became a story that you're like, hey, we should look at this and do like a legit deep dive. I mean, Lynch goes do it. Adam Peters does it. Kyle Shanahan. You know, LaFleur's brother. Those guys just go in and just... Pick out like six, seven games the last two years and just see how he looks. Because really, five years ago, that doesn't mean a goddamn thing right now. Like, what does he look like right now? And relative to Jimmy, and this was before, remember, when that kind of gained steam, definitely at the at the Super Bowl, because we I, I asked Albert Breer about it, that was like pre-corona, right? I mean, corona was out there, but it wasn't like going to wipe out OTAs. You're talking about the combine, yeah. I'm talking about the combine. Like, yeah. if we the combine's lucky they got like two weeks before. What if the combine would have been like mid March? It would have been fucked. It would have it would have changed everything dramatically. And that was a major storyline at the combine. They were getting asked about it. It would have been much like it would have been a no brainer where you could probably go, yeah, no OTAs. We we can't even risk the transition. Where it was an easy transition for the Tampa Bay. Like, they were going all in whether OTAs exist or not. For the Niners, it's like, well, Jimmy knows our stuff. He's still good enough. But to think that they didn't have, like, long, hard conversations about it, as some people wrote about, like, this is so stupid. That's, that's just not the way the NFL works. I mean, well, I, also, it's not stupid. What's It's not. It'd be stupid if you if they said, no, we didn't look. You'd be like, what? It's called what, malpractice. Guys, yeah, this is Tom Brady one, and you should always look at all your options. That's it's. Especially, you're right, it is kind of, now, I don't think this is why they did it. They did it because it was a real option for them, because Brady would have really considered them, because he'd be crazy not to. But there is just a little bit of CYA, right, cover your ass in it. Again, I don't think it's why they did it, but what happens if, and I'm not predicting this, 12 months from now, Jimmy Garoppolo just had a year where he did not take the next step like we thought he would. In fact, he takes a step back. I mean, crazier things have happened in the NFL, and people are going like, Boy, I mean, we all thought Jimmy was going to be good, but in retrospect, how did you not consider Brady? Maybe Brady leads the Bucks to the NFC Championship game or something. It, it, it could come and, back and up. You, I'd say and, the difference is financially, though. Them tie, like they're not really tied to Jimmy. It's a year by year contract. Yeah, now, two fifty no, would have complicated it. Like, could you have seen the Niners if they were interested in Tom being interested in doing that? I wonder. Like, that's a lot of money to guarantee yeah. that type of cash. That's a would, that's an would angle. Brady that have I, come there for less. Would Brady have come to San Francisco for less money? M- might have. I, I'm just saying you can't have Garoppolo take a step back and then everyone revisits the quotes where you said, "Nah, we weren't interested in Brady." After Brady throws 28 touchdowns or something for the Bucks, 100. percent And I'll say this about the Niners: 
they have been very, very candid on everything they do. <clears throat> like I, my first reaction when I saw the quote about Brandon Ayuk, they would have drafted him at 13. I kind of thought it was bullshit. Then I've listened to John Lynch talk about 7 million people. He told Peter King, he's like, you know, the last week going into the draft, you've got all your information. You take in all your information from everyone. And I, I think, I used to, it used to bother me. Like, why won't this guy give his opinion? Well, I remember whether it was, and, and they would, but like when I was in a meeting with Pat Hill, he's ultimately just taking in information from other people, using then his mind, and then making an ultimate decision. In the NFL, it's definitely like that. Like, how he takes in all the information, or Andy, and then he's the ultimate decision maker and the owner. It's a big thing in Ethan's book, right? It was like the, the scouts would be like, why doesn't Lacob ever say who he likes? It's not really his job. He's at the fucking top of the pyramid. He's paying you for your opinion so then he can take it all and then give the go-ahead. Well, right. that to me is part of like, you know, what you have to do in this situation. So John was saying that like, we get all the information from everybody, the coaches, my right-hand guys, and then me and Kyle just kind of talk it out. Like, would you be okay doing this? And he's like, it would have been, listen, I'm no idiot. We would have been fucking, it would have been a freak out, right? You took Brandon Ayuk. And the thing that I can't get past, like, is that if CeeDee Lamb was off the board or would you have taken him over CeeDee Lamb? Because that right. would have been more, con if CeeDee yeah, Lamb was off and you took him, that would have been less controversial. There's a difference between the way the draft played out. We There was a scenario where we would have considered taking him at 13 in this particular draft, in this particular version of this draft. I think what he was saying was... And he hasn't been specific with that. He's kind of leaving it open-ended. Yeah. And, and I, I do think he's being truthful. They liked him a shitload. The way I interpret that, John, is don't you think they did a million, maybe not a million, but you know how uh, maybe it still exists where you can go on ESPN.com and do like the lottery button. You hit the lottery and you see the way it... I bet they had a version where CeeDee Lamb is gone, Javon Kinlaw is gone. 100%. And like, yeah. Maybe they've... And they're like, you know what? In this in this scenario where these guys are gone, are we willing to do this if we can't trade back? And I and I and I do believe that there was a, there were scenarios where that's the case. But it used to I, I used to think that's so like it's kind of chicken shit. Like what do you, what do you think? Are you gonna say it or you don't have to say it? But then you realize like I, I thought the Ethan book really crystallized. No, they that's not really their job. Their job is because at the end of the day they're going to make the decision. So you don't know what they're gonna think. Like, if Howie Roseman didn't say in the meeting, like, I love Jalen Rieger, but that's who we picked, I know exactly what he thought, right? We know but, who But also, like. you don't – if we went back through all of Howie Roseman's draft picks, first-round draft picks, there are some he loved and felt a lot of conviction about, and there are others he didn't like as much, right? Yeah. Not, he didn't love all first-round picks the same. One great quote in the Ethan book, I thought, was from Bruce Frazier. They're talking about Harrison Barnes. I don't think Bruce's quote is about Harrison per se, but – Bruce is just talking about players and how the gray area, like you got to make be able to make decisions in the gray area, the gray area where it's not cut and dry. A lot of basketball happens in gray area. The guy might not be open on the back cut. Can you get it through? Can you get by the guy? The, yeah. There's just a playbook. It's just, it's just, there, there's just, that's where the great stuff happens. Like, can you navigate the gray area? This is not exactly what Bruce is talking about, but the point is they, they might, he, hell, they might love, they might like Javon Kinlaw more than they like Solomon Thomas. I don't know. Maybe they like Solomon Thomas more than they – in that moment. Maybe they like yeah, Solomon yeah, yeah. more than they like Kinlaw now. Who knows? But – On the draft night, Solomon Thomas's draft night. On Solomon Thomas's draft night. Yeah, I don't, I'd be interested, like, what – how they would compare those two. But the point – what I'm saying, though, is just that um, you have to prepare for all these different scenarios. 
And so it's not chicken shit to say, and I know you're not saying it is, but it's not chicken shit to say, hey, there are some scenarios where we like this guy enough to take him at 13. There are other scenarios where maybe we wouldn't have drafted him, right? C.D. Lamb takes it to who knows what those other scenarios were. And they end up trading out instead of trading up. But I'm going to tie this back to Tom. I think part of the reason it takes three or four days, because if you go, well, if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I have three or four guys I really trust on my staff, right? McDaniels, LaFleur, uh, let's just say there's, you know, Welker, who knows them well. What if I just go, hey, guys, it's going to take some time because we're in the middle of doing all this other shit. Can you guys, over the next 48 hours, Sala? Do, do a, hell, do a deep dive on Tom Brady. Well, John Lynch, and I'll do one too. John does one. You know, Adam Peters and Mayhew. And then we'll reconvene while we're doing other shit. Just work this into your fucking daily plan. And we'll talk about it in three days. So it's going to be a long process. And then you listen to everyone's opinions. And then you you do have to just go into a room when it's just you two and go, what do you think? Because it's on you. Like the decision, if Welker wants a guy or Welker doesn't want a guy, and I know this as a scout, well, I ain't getting credit or I ain't getting shit on if we miss. Like it is. And I remember he used to kind of say, like how he used to say that to me. And I see it now with these guys. It's so true. Like they are the guys taking the heat, right? It's just no one gives a shit. Like when they were winning, Adam Peters wasn't getting shit on. Just like when they or when they were losing. I mean, now yeah. when they're winning, you know, let's be honest. Kyle and John are getting all the fucking credit. Well, if Adam Peters was the guy, pushing now Adam for, Adam kind of is too. Like in the league or whatever, people think he's good. But I, but I'm just saying, like if Adam Peters was the guy, who's like I'm telling you guys, Solomon Thomas, this is the guy. That's not cover for John Lynch. Like at the end of the day, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are the ones that drafted him, right? Yeah, and, and they, they might know who liked him and who didn't like him, but they're the ones when the fifth-year option doesn't get picked up. Well, that's the other one, in the like, in the again, to the Ethan book, right? Because he does do a great job of, like, just talking about the process. Jerry West, lo- Jerry West was like, we can't trade Clay. Well, Jerry West also loved Deion Waiters, right? There is just this, there's just constant tab that everybody has. And your hits are, pro- are more important than your misses, because we assume you're hitting 500. You're not hitting 500. Well, the one the one thing you realize, I just uh, big book on tape, guys. I just I had to embrace. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to read probably as much as I, I I want to, but I want all this information of all these cool books. I hear all these people talk, but when I get them and I just consume them like a podcast, I do consume them. So like everyone talked about this Bob Iger book. I just got the Bob Iger book, and one thing Bob Iger starts this thing off by was like, you look at my resume, and he's like, you're going to see some great things, but don't let it fool you. Like I fucking had some major yeah. failures. And no matter who you are, Warren Buffett to Jerry West to fucking Jordan, like you're just going to have some misses. And that's where I think, but a decision that is is like the decision to move off Jimmy for Tom would have been bigger than any Buckner, Kinlaw, Ayuk decision, right? That would have been a monumental organizational decision in the history of the modern day Walsh forward San Francisco 49ers. It would have been one of the biggest like, the Tampa thing wasn't that crazy. Like, everyone in football history would have got rid of Jameis for Tom. But given that the Niners just went to the Super Bowl, and given Tom's age, and given Jimmy, like, for those of us that actually watch, Jimmy not just putting the, the playoffs, the two playoff games in the NFC that were statistically n- did nothing. And, and I'll, listen, I was there on the Minnesota game, and I'm sitting in the stands, and when he throws that pick, it was like, that pick was terrible. Like, that pick was really bad. But... You watch the the games down the stretch, the Saints game, the Rams game, the Seattle game. Like, it was big boy, big time shit. 
So it's just that you have to put it all into context. And I think sometimes we forget, like, and I, I say it all the time during the draft, you go to the combine and you crush it. Well, you forget about the shitty last two months of the guy's football season because you're like, oh, this right. guy's a great athlete. Just like vice versa. You go to the combine, and this is where I think Lynch was right. If if Ayuk runs really fast, fuck, maybe he does go in the top 20 because he was clearly liked in the league and he was like a fringe top 35 tape player. Is good. Well, what's the difference? If you're a top 35 player, the the, the difference of, of a fast 40 and a slow 40 is pretty big. Yeah. Just like the difference of Tom, what if Tom's narrative on a season had been different, right? They hadn't lost in the first round. They got to the AFC Championship game, and he dueled it out with Mahomes, but this year he lost. I think there would have been a lot of like, fuck. He, just he might be back in Tom. New England. He might be back in New England, slash, I think he would have put, put more pressure on a team like the Niners to like, it would have been a, it, he could have said with a straight face, like, listen, it was a, because right now, I think he can say with a straight face, we did our work. It was a long period of time. But I think when we talked it out, it wasn't that tough a decision. If Tom's – because to me, the, the lasting image of the season was the pick he throws in that Miami game to uh, the dude that used to play for Utah that Chip Kelly once drafted. I, fuck, I forget his name. Eric you know, Rowe? I think it was – yeah, Eric Rowe, who's now – who you know then got traded to New England, who's now with Flores. Yeah. And Tom just throws this little bunny that he – I mean, when you've never when seen you, him throw that. When yeah. you think of the Tom Brady fuck ups, it's not no. that. No. And then the playoff game where you're like, God, they're just off, and he was bad. I think it's easier to justify he's old, he's over it. Where just the year previously, his numbers were different. I think we viewed him a little differently. But but it's, I I, I do have a lot of respect, and and I shit on him sometimes. But I think the decision making process. It's just harder sometimes than I, I think we think in general. And, and when you pull the trigger, and we'll talk about this as we're in quarantine for the next month of the Niners decision, some of these big picture decisions. You saw the Cowboys do the Dalton thing. Like every decision is like can have pretty big implications one way or the other, right? And I think the Ethan book did a great thing of like that they didn't trade Clay for Kevin Love, but that was a and Draymond, but that. That was a really polarizing. It's How about an easy they didn't trade? They didn't trade Steph and Clay for Chris Paul. How about Be, that one? Only because Chris said, "Fuck you, I'm not doing it." How about that? By the way, for people who maybe aren't West Coast or don't follow us regularly, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, the book about the Warriors that just came out like two weeks ago. But I, I also think ago, like uh, about. you know we talk so much about drafts because they really are great like their conversation dramatically changes once we know whether the fucking player hit or missed. It's easy to go. I saw someone today tweeted this out. You know that when Michael Jordan's mom forced him to go with Nike, their stock was worth 11 cents. I mean, I think, I bet if you check today, it's like 80 bucks or whatever. It's so easy to do that conversation all these years later, just like, I can't believe that the Browns and even the fucking Bills traded off Mahomes and Watson. Well, at the time, it was actually crazier that Andy went up and got Mahomes. I think it was dramatically crazier, right? Well, yeah, do you know, like, I, I think I texted you this the other day because I was looking back at it just for whatever. Mayock's big board that year, Mayock's first big board had um, Trubisky as the number one quarterback on it. His second big board... I think he moved. I think he had Watson as the number one quarterback. So because so, he used to he used to do every position top fives. 
Yeah, he did, that's right. He didn't do mocks. So, like, we look back and we go... Which is very NFL-like, true, which is cool. True. It's very NFL what? Well, I'm saying it's actually a cooler, you know, oh, exercise for yeah. us talking about it now. Like, that, that's meaningful, knowing right. who you had above who. So he's a guy who we both think is a good, like he had Khalil Mack when no one else realized how good he, he was. He had Khalil Mack at the top of Khalil's draft, right? I think he, he had Mariota Mario over Jameis. That one's lose-lose, it turns out. Well, I, I wouldn't give up on Jameis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. But um, the point is we talk about the Trubisky thing, and I think I even do it. Like, it's like, how could you draft that guy? But it wasn't that. It was... Some people thought it was crazy, but not everybody thought it was crazy. It wasn't universally crazy to take Mitchell Trubisky. So, the other thing is like the difference with the draft and the uh, free agency. Like you, the you have a shitload of information on Jimmy and Tom, right? I mean, Tom, fuck, no quarterbacks ever had more information. Like you, you know everything about him. The draft is a huge guessing game because Peter King asked Lynch, he's like. You know, how you feeling? He's like, well, you know what I learned after my first year? It, it's meaningless how you feel after the draft. You don't know a goddamn thing. And he, he's right. But I, I think, ba- when, you I think sign, I found when you do sign a free agent, like, the Cowboys know what they're getting in Amari. You know, I think they're hoping he improves or whatever, but they know. Just like the, the 49ers know, you know what? We got Jimmy. He's under this really team-friendly contract now that we control. It's just, it's an easier move to make while still being like, we can still be really good with this guy. You know, it's not like we're pussing out. Fuck, we're just... As Juszczyk tweeted like a month ago, yeah, uh, through the first three quarters, he was the MVP of the game. So it's the narrative dramatically changes, and rightfully so, based on results. Yeah. yeah. The whole Jordan documentary is based on results, right? It's well, easy to like, oh, well, fuck, he kicked Clyde's ass, then beat him. Oh, he got Charles, then he beat him. Oh, he got this guy, then he beat him. <laughs> you know? That's one thing I think, we'll talk about the doc, but um, one of the things watching it that Costas does so well is he gives you the full big picture context. Like he's previewing games in the moment with like the full big picture context, seeing the whole big picture, the way we'll view this thing 30 years later. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's I, texted to- you, I texted you this last night and I've always been fascinated by this. The guys that go bald, like Marv Albert, who clearly went bald in like his thirties. Does he at night when he goes home, does he take that thing off and just look at himself, or does he never look at himself in the mirror with it off? I think it stays on. You just keep it. You just glued on. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how pieces work, but well, see, I don't know if he like the thing that he had on in some of those pictures from like the mid ninety, early nineties. It didn't look also like the side hair. It's almost like he shaved everything and just plopped that thing on top. There was, uh... but he is a legend. Haberman once ran into him, you know, over by uh, North Beach. That's right. Said hello, shook his hand. He wasn't. He was looking for something. He was in town for the uh, NBA Finals. I, think. I mean, how old in '92? He was probably like 50 years old, right? I mean, it's not like he's some spring chicken. No, I think he had to be a little younger than that. How old do you think he is now? 70. Uh, that was 20. Get, that was 25 guess, years ago. So that yeah, might. I'm have guessing been. Marv is. Maybe I would guess 70. Guy, yeah, he's older than you think. No, 78. He's, he's 78. So, you so know, 92, 40s, almost 30 years ago. Yeah, he's late 40s. Yeah. He looked look younger, actually. I, I thought Costas looked really good. Well, Costas, Costas, has, real, Costas has real hair, though. Okay, great. God, Costas looked good. Young. Um, all right. Should we move on? Anything else on this? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's 
evergreen topic that's always yeah, kind of I cool mean, to talk about. But, but you're right. Though. Like, this is something, if Jimmy, you know, I don't know, regresses or just doesn't really get better, and Tom has some historic year, you and I will talk about it because it is a fair conversation. And, and, and you know what? They will, too. This is, this is part of sports. When you make a decision based on taking a guy or keeping a guy, the, the results, though, I, I, I agree it was the right decision in the moment. If Tom goes on this year to win the Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it, you, we could have a legitimate conversation going, they fucked up, they should have got Tom Brady, because I think it's fair to say that if they said, Tom, we want you to be your quarterback, he would have chose the 49ers over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I think it's fair to just somewhat assume that. Now, you could, argue, you could counter me and go, well, his family's on the East Coast, he's talked a lot about that. Arians, it's not crazy. Pretty good option. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I would think it'd be a hard. I I wouldn't be shocked if he still picked the Bucks, but I would have to give the Niners. The I do think I it would have been his hometown a, you, team. His parents live here. Guy is you know his mom's been in poor health. I think this would have been the one team maybe he would have sucked it up for to live on the West Coast where they don't ideally want to live. Um, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. I mean, the, whatever house he's staying at for Jeter's, his kids was doing backflips. It's just. I mean, it looks fucking incredible. It does look incredible. But, like, to your point, right, Montana goes to the Chiefs. The Chiefs go 11-5, and five, win the AFC West. The Niners go 10-6, and six, win the NFC West, year one. Like, you can't do that deal if you're the Niners and then go 8-8. Eight and eight. and then the next year they go 13-3 they go and three and win the Super Bowl. But you better go 13-3 and three to win the Super Bowl. If and Joe was – those other. two years, Joe was nipped with their heels, right? Yeah. Boom. Now, Steve – from about 92 to 97, became a top five guy in the league, and it never became a question. Now, the difference is, I think there are similarities. Actually, you could say there are actually a lot of similarities. Joe, like Tom, at the end of the road on basically, would you say Tom's on hole 18? Or, I mean, minimum, he's on like the fairway on hole 17 right now, right? And you could say Jimmy, you could argue uh, still. I mean, like, he, if he's on the fair, if he's still on seventeen, John, okay. Let's say he's let's say he's at minimum putting on hole seventeen. Where's Jimmy? Hole six, hole seven. Time will tell. But yeah. I just mean I you you could. If he's at got least, a good long career. He's, like with Steve, you go. Well, I think we can get this guy for another eight, ten years. Well, and you saw it in the in the Jordan thing, right? Jordan wins his second championship at thirty. Yeah, he's got a lot, a lot of time. Like did a lot of winning after the age of thirty. Won four titles after that. Right? Crazy like how good 30, he was we tend to think, third. like, if you're going to win six, you better have a couple by the time you're... Agreed. I don't know. I just... If you've got two at 30, we probably think you need to... You're not getting to six. If you well, think about Steph Clay and all those guys had them all before 30. Yeah. They, Jordan didn't win his first until year seven in the league, I think. And he had also, you know, because he'd been a three-year college guy, you know, he had a lot of miles from, like, 81 to 90. Think about right. just all the games he had played in. Now, he also had in the back pocket, he had won a natty at North Carolina, so he's kind of hit the game as a winner <laughs> as a true freshman. No uh, it, yeah, I mean, look, that is the uh, – we'll talk about Derek Carr. That is the, the win and loss. That is the ultimate stat. And Carr did a, a piece with um, Vic Tafer, uh, exclusive sit-down, said a lot. Um, Zoom, probably. You think? I think it was a Zoom. Maybe it was a Zoom. Are you allowed to do sit-downs in quarantine? Oh, yeah, less than 10 people. Oh, yeah, there definitely wasn't in person. No way. Because yeah. uh, car, car's in Vegas now. I didn't know that, but he's already moved there. I didn't realize that either. The house is done. Yeah. Is, I, I, is Gruden I, I, next door yet? You know, I, I, I don't know. I was told by Raiders employees 
What's weird is they were going to move like in June, like like the coaching staff and everyone, because they were going to have an OT. They weren't going to have OTAs there, so that's right. It didn't quite add up to me. It's like Derek, what are you doing there? But I, I don't know. Makes sense. Settle in. Just be ready to roll whenever. Well, once start. OTA, but if what if OTAs had been or happening, would he come back? I don't know. Yeah. What'd you think? I mean, I. I, I think what's clear there there was this and we talk about it anyone that's in in the Raiders Twitter world you see all the our buddy Josh Dubow who covers the team always tweeting stats and getting in arguments people are always yelling at him he tweets positive and negative but people whatever I like this is an ongoing debate in the NFL it's an NFL topic not just a Raiders topic right like how good how is whose car better than who would be better than him there's some stats that say he leads the league in some categories others that say there's like this team is seven and nine, four and twelve, six and ten the last three years. I think we have reached the point now where the only stat that's going to matter with them is how many wins do you have, and that doesn't matter for the head coach because the head coach is coming into year three of a ten-year contract. Yeah, and to, to me, the narrative, and this is kind of the overwhelming thing that Vic dives into, is how do you handle everyone talking about you? They're always going to replace you. The Tom Brady thing. And Derek tries to poo-poo it like he always felt good about himself. If you just did most polarizing players in the NFL, I do think Derek's pretty high up on the list. Now, we could nitpick, like, Lamar's polarizing, like, can he get over the hill in the playoffs Odell. and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think Carr, like Odell, some of it has to do with, like, we can nitpick, like, Russell Wilson or Carson Wentz, but these guys are proven. These guys are elite blue chippers, can fucking... Russell's won a chance. I don't even think Russell you'd put in that category. But let's use Carson Wentz. Like it's clear when Carson's on the fucking field and he's healthy, he's fucking good, right? I, I think Derek, he has the physical traits, but is he a guy that I can win ten games with? I know people in the NFL that think he can't, and I thought I, I know people in the NFL that thought he played really well last year and just physically looked good. Though there are little things I think when you don't study him in a vacuum on tape, like when you just get a guy and do his cutups on all twenty-two. He might look different than if you were just like me, you, anyone listening that watched a lot of Raider games. You just watch his career. Because I, I, I did feel over the last couple years, it's just left a little be desired. And part of it, guy, goes back to several years ago when I saw the best of him, and he was one of the best fucking players in the league. Because he has the arm, and he's a good athlete, right. and he can make every goddamn throw known to man. But then there are just times like, I, I'm sorry, Derek, I, I can't give you a hall pass when you throw the ball into the fucking ground on fourth and five. And I get it. It's like, well, the screen got failed. So you just, why don't you just take the ball, look at John, and just fucking walk to the sideline? Like, I, I understand why all the fans shit on him. Or multiple times in the last two years, reaching the ball out and it getting, especially the second time against Green Bay, like he's done some crazy dumb shit. So Vic asked him about the, fourth, the two fourth down throwaways. Some fans can't let go of your two fourth down throwaways. The one in 2018, the one last season, have those plays stuck with you also? Well, I can let them go. We're talking about two plays over the course of how many I've had in my career. I do think that's the kind of stuff that Aaron Rodgers gets away with. I shouldn't even say gets away with. That's the kind of thing that doesn't become a topic if you just win. If you're winning, that's but not that, a topic. isn't that the point of this whole thing? Like, isn't that? But like, that's, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, Aaron Rodgers really, wins. What I'm saying is it's not really about those plays, right? It's just that those plays feel to a lot of people like they represent something coming up short, not being able to 
Maybe it's well. Here, here's what I know: not being able to win in moments that feel like they they're really these are the the do or die moments at Kansas City at I, New York. I forget the ball that he threw into the ground. Who they were even playing, but they were not a team. Like no one looked at it like this is a playoff game, <laughs> right? It's a fucking afternoon game. It's doing a quarter of the ratings the Niner game are doing in Northern California. It's not a nationally televised game. Most people beside Middlecoff, fucking Haberman, and some Raider fans and whoever the team they were playing were watching that thing. Now, here's where I'd counter and go, if Aaron Rodgers, guess what Aaron Rodgers' games typically end up on? I don't know. Jim Nance is there. Sunday night. Monday night football. If he had done that and the Packers had done that, it would be by far, and, and rightfully so, the number one story of the day the next day, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, it'd be a big story, but I, I but it wouldn't last like this. It well, wouldn't no, be because then you make the playoffs, you go to the NFC yeah. Championship. Yeah, it's just part of. I'm just like, saying, you guys this, don't so do anything my, to win. It, it's just it rep. It's not really about those plays. Is my ultimate point for people? Well, because I think people factor use that in their argument. Like, is this guy good enough to get yeah. us to be a winning team? And it, it's just and, a shorthand. And listen, you and I have known point. Derek for fucking a long time. I've we've watched his whole goddamn career. I ebbed and flowed because there was three or four years ago, if I'm just being unemotional about this, I thought, like, this guy has a chance to be a top six, seven quarterback in this league. And then just, I think there have been some bad habits, not all of his fault. They've had a lot of turnover. They've had some weird shit happen. His best friend on his team, the best player that's been on the fucking Raiders beside Charles Woodson over the last 20 years gets traded. He's experienced some weird shit. But I also think that I just watch him and go, I see more now like physical attributes than I do good player. Now, I think he's going to be in a better position to succeed this year. And that's why I think there's the pressure on him. We talk about if it's just bad again or the stats, like you can score 25 points in the NBA every night and we can view you like, yeah, this guy's not a winner. Like this guy's not doing winning shit. So you can throw again 28 touchdowns and six picks. And if your team goes six or seven wins and I just go, yeah, when you were in some big time spots throughout the year, late in the game, like it's, and I also understand, like, I, I watch you in Kansas City and in the cold, you're terrible. And that's that's an element of his career that he can only shake if he just gets over the hump. Like, that's right. part of narratives that, you know, stay with players right usually aren't just pulled out – that people don't pull them out of their ass. Like, that one is statistically justified. I remember last year, right, going to that Chiefs game, the whatever, the last six or seven games, just the numbers were atrocious. And then he goes to that Chiefs game – they lose 40 to 9. He throws multiple picks. One's a pick six. The Honey Badger's like, yeah, we thought if we'd get him off his, sunny, his second read, it was a wrap. Honey Badger gets the first pick that, like, he could have closed his eyes to catch. Well, like, I remember you and I have talked about But this it's not for like he, the Chiefs have owned him. He's beat them a bunch in Oakland, right? With Andy Reid as the coach. Like, it's he, hard he, when it looks like that, though. Like, I remember always feeling like. The Le- can LeBron win a championship was stupid because I remember watching him lose going, he's carrying, these guys only have a shot in hell because of this guy, right? And it's clear he was the best player in the league. It's like, what are you guys talking about? But when you play in those games, that's how it has to look. So, I mean, you look, and, and I'm, just for the record, you're like, saying, you're saying you're, you're saying a blowout loss? Yeah, I'm saying that's really where you go, okay, even if that's the bigger narrative because the black and white result was an L, I watched it and I don't think it's because this person lacks something or can't do it. And I think that's where that cold weather stat that Jack Del Rio referenced always, always comes into play. And that's, you know, so whether it's, so it might be win 10 games or just, 
you know, you lose that game 34-31 and you make plays and you just get beat by Mahomes, okay, whatever. But, but it can't – the combination of not being good enough to make the playoffs now three straight years and in those big games not having a shot, like that's that's what they have to overcome. And what I was going to say, though, for the record, I have not sold my Derek Carr stock. Because there are a lot of things, like you said, you like last year was bad. It was 21 touchdowns, eight picks, 70% completion percentage. If the team's just better, if they're better on defense, why can't they go from seven and nine to nine, nine and seven, seven or ten and six? Yeah, I know. I, I'm with because he's physically talented. But it does talented. feel like this, like this is this is when it's got to happen now. I, I would say the difference though is like you said, LeBron. I think you could use before Phil fucking won the Masters. It it was so clear that like LeBron, Phil. Or even, like, I'd say Carson Wentz is pretty polarizing. Like, no one in the league and 90% of fans go, yeah, that guy's a freak, right? The talent is just immense. Phil was, you know, Phil and, and the, much more accomplished. Yeah, the body of work of winning, even though it wasn't the ultimate win. Carson's was probably big. a bad example. It'd, it'd have to be an older player, uh, like a Phillip Rivers or a guy like that that had won a lot and just played well. And even he's pretty polarizing. I, I think a lot of people, though, with Derek, would just say with a straight face, like, yeah, he's not even a top-ten quarterback in the league. You know, that's the thing. It's like... He's not even one of the best players anymore. You know, he was for he had the one year, and the the more years you stack on that, you go. That was an outlier season, right? That that's not the norm. You know, this is what like You're Watson right. what, what Watson balls now, every year, determine. Mahomes balls every year, yeah. Russell balls every year. Like good players just ball most years. Like like you. Uh, to me, baseball home runs is the is the easiest way is the stat we always right. Did you hit thirty home runs six years in a row, or did you hit fifty once, Brady Anderson? Like that to me is the easiest stat that we go. Was it an outlier, or is this who you are? Did you I hit think, twenty home runs I, for seven years in a row, or did you have one year where you hit twenty five? I think Derek can really change a lot of narratives this year about himself by yeah. having a good year that contributes to winning. Yeah. To me, if he has one of these, you know, thirty touchdowns, but he throws, you know, seven picks, but it's just a lot of like. Hollow touchdowns late in games. They go 7-9 and nine again. No one's going to think anything differently. If anything, people are just going to double down. It would be hard to go like 30-7, and seven, but let's say like... Yeah, it would be hard to go 30-7 and seven and have let's seven. Say, let's say a 24-9, a and nine, you know, and some yards and some nice touchdowns. But it was just, you know, a couple of their big wins came with like Jacobs going for 150. And then they just, they finished third or fourth in their division. Like, I, I think it will only validate, and rightfully so, like e- eventually... You know, everyone loves the quarterback win-loss stat is not a quarterback stat. But there, there's a reason. If you just go all the lists, like, why, why do all the top guys, why, why Drew Brees, Steve Young, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, fucking Mahomes, you know, just win, win. These guys just win, right? And then it's like when you really nitpick, like, why is Cousins, you know, why is this, even Rivers. Like, we can argue about Rivers all day because he's a polarizing player and he should be. But, like, is Drew Brees really that polarizing? Is Tom Brady really that? Is Russell Wilson polarizing? No. Just, yeah, guys, fucking, he's starting quarterback. You're going to win the majority of your games. Just, that's a fact. Yeah, I would love somebody to tell me, like, how good was Archie Manning? Because he played for the Saints for 10 years, basically, right? And the Saints were the Aints. They were terrible. Now, like, he was had he 18- more Wasn't he more runner than passer? Yeah, I mean, I'm which just, is which is kind of ironic because his two kids were not mobile. We can't use stats from the '70s and compare them to stats today. And that is ironic. Uh, Cooper Manning was probably the was turns out the mobile one probably. It was. 
Um, but 18 touchdowns, 21 picks, 10 and 12, 6 and 16, 7 and 20, 17 and 16, 15 I, and 20, 23 and 20. I, I think you have to focus on like the last 30 years. Like who's a player? I, I It happens a lot in basketball, right? Where you go, was Mitch Richmond a little overrated? Because, you know, like, but it, or just, yeah, but a quarterback, how many guys put up awful numbers at quarterback and just return as the quarterback for well, it doesn't 12 happen. years? You just get replaced. How many guys play well five straight years? Yeah, I shouldn't years say put up awful numbers. I mean, lose and keep coming back. Yeah. Well, uh, the stat was only a guy with zero playoff appearances, you know, through his first seven years was David Carr, that was a starter in Houston. Like David Derrick had the got record to start for seven. Oh wow! They have the record for least team success and continue to start. So wow. I just gets back to like I understand and it's, I understand why Derrick wouldn't understand because he's in it, but he should be a polarizing player. It's just a it's a unique set of circumstances. Usually you just get replaced, or usually you just would have got over the hump. And when I say over the hump, I just mean you know they made the playoffs like twice in seven years, right? Raiders never make the playoffs. And typically on a team like that, like the Browns, just churning, 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 right? And the just, year they did, we thought they were actually in good position, but he was hurt and didn't play. I know. We felt like that was a good team. But then I'd counter and go, because if he was here, you'd be like, you see what happens when I was healthy and we had a talented team. I'd say, yeah, yeah well, that's, you haven't, I don't think he'd look the same since then. And remember, one of the big stats that year was like he was, and this gets to a, this is like a little collegiate. You know, with Joe Burrow or Tua, it's like, yeah, they never... Because, you, you know, when we were talking about Tua, you go, God, when he just has a pocket, there ain't a fucking soul around him. He's just throwing BBs to these four guys that look like Jerry Rice runs meets Deshaun Jackson meets Randy Moss flying around. You know, that's not the NFL. And the one year that Derek was unreal in the pros, he had the best, you know, pass protection in the league, remember? It's like... Yeah. And it was, that's why it was such... Fr- he, the irony of him breaking his ankle, remember Donald Penn, like, he, had, he hadn't given up a sack and like, all of this starts so far with the Raiders, and the one time he does, kind of a freaky deal, his leg shatters, mm-hmm. which is unlucky. But that, that's where I also think people counter and go, well, that's not a realistic way to play. Usually you're getting some pressure, and is he that good in the pressure? Because that's where he gets knocked, and he hasn't been lately. Uh, Don Shula died on Monday, or 90 years old. We uh, He last coached in 95, so we're each 10, 10 or 11 years old. And um, I probably saw more Don Shula in Ace Ventura than I did, like, actually on the sidelines that I remember. I kind of remember Jimmy Johnson as the Dolphins coach, like, in the yeah. na- late in the, yeah. the 90s, the Plus latter Cowboys. part of the 90s. Yeah. But, I mean, his the, the record, winning his coach in NFL history, uh, to me, the— Which is kind of crazy, right? <laughs> 26 years in Miami, and how many years in with the Colts? We coached 31 years, so okay, so five, four, five two, years, two losing seasons. Yeah. That's an incredible stat. And the other thing, I saw somebody. A lot of what I learned about him is, you know, Googled or watched on NFL films. But I guess did Bel- Belichick passed him for postseason wins recently? And at the time when it had, or when he tied him with 19 at the time, I don't know how many Bill has now. Somebody wrote an article that was like that Shula's 19 is more impressive because in those days only you know like four teams made the playoffs and so you had to go to the playoffs more to get playoff wins and the teams you played in the postseason were just better teams the competition was stiffer because it was you were getting like a six seed of the elite yeah yeah but whatever i mean 
That's and you know here's the other thing that I did not realize when they so they go undefeated in '72, right? They win Super Bowl seven. Mercury Morris, Dave Mercury Morris, Larry Zonka. They come back the next year, John, and win the Super Bowl again. Then the next year they go back to the Super Bowl again. They lost to Dallas and they would end up losing a couple. They lost to Washington and they lost to the Niners later. So he went to five in Miami. But to me, to win the Super Bowl in an undefeated season, then come back and win it the next year and then take your team back there again. I will say this about the 70s football, the high end of 70s football, those teams still get immense amount of respect now, right? The yeah. the Pittsburgh teams fucking stacked. Right. The John Madden Raiders teams absolutely loaded. We're just talking about the AFC. The Dolphins were a fucking powerhouse. And then if you did get to the NFC, you know, the Super Bowl, Stallbach and the Cowboys were clearly just an elite, you know, just machine. The the team that could never get over the hump but was excellent clearly was the Purple People Eaters with mm-hmm. Minnesota. So even if the league had way less teams, the high end of the league was just I mean, how many, I bet if we broke down the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Steelers, the Raiders, and the Dolphins, the amount of Hall of Famers involved would be like, I, I would just guess the top of my head, 35 individuals, right? And just think about how hard it was. The irony is like when you think about the 70s football too, which to me made like Don Shula a fucking legend. He won a Super Bowl going undefeated, and that's still a record that, I have a hard time seeing it get broken. I'm not saying never because it is possible, but that Patriot team, it just shows you. One game situation, you're just a little off. It's so easy just to, even if it's not the Super Bowl, just a playoff game to not go perfectly. Well, and the margins, I went back, it's funny, today and watched like the 20-minute game condensed version on YouTube of the the Monday Night Football game Patriots-Ravens. The Patriots were eleven and zero, and the Ravens probably should have beat them. They got a the Patriots got a holding call on fourth down, like in in the uh, red zone, that gave them a new set of downs, and they scored a touchdown to take the lead. They're down twenty four twenty with like thirty seconds left. But to your point, like just the the little things that have to go your way over the course of seventeen weeks. But if you look at his numbers, he's pretty far away from Belichick. Like, is Belichick have five more seasons in him? The other thing is Belichick's been rattling off 12 and 13 win seasons. Like, what if he has a couple eights? It's going to be harder to catch him. How many, Shula has 347. What's Bill have? Like I thought it was like 280. Yeah, 270. Yeah. And think how far Andy Reid has been a head coach for 20 years, probably averaging 10 wins a season. It's yeah. like 201. Yeah. Like I start thinking, who's fucking catching these guys? Who who in the modern day, like, is big? If you had to bet right now, would you do you feel comfortable saying McVay or Kyle will get two hundred wins? Think about How many Kyle. Andy coached like what was it thirteen in Philly and fourteen in Philly seven. He's already seven. at twenty one. He's going into yeah. twenty two. He's probably this got another already... six seven. I mean, he's got he'll get around thirty coaching seasons. I would guess. I feel like I'll, I'll know in like seven years. I so after like seven years of so like I'll check back on Kyle in five years if he's still kind of doing his thing. But think about I'd this guy. Yeah. It's like he starts. What was it like three and four wins? <laughs> so he's, I mean, right. he, you don't really. He's at seven, and this year he's at he's at twenty. <laughs> he's at twenty just yeah. to get to Andy, where Andy is now. It's Shula. I don't even think it's fucking possible because think how many to for Belichick to get to the high almost threes. He had to have a twenty-year stretch where they've missed the playoffs. I think twice, and I think one year I read the average wins over that twenty years was like twelve point two. 
Like that, it's just, I think we all acknowledge that, yeah, Belichick and Tom, like that 20-year run of being a one seed or two seed for fucking 10 straight years is never happening again. You know, the factor in the division, it just was a perfect kind of culminate. They were good. Belichick was elite. I mean, just the whole thing. He had the best quarterback ever. Right, because you would say, does, Andy have, does Andy have 20 more years in him? No, to me, if like if Andy had been right now 55, you go, God, him and Mahomes could change. I think the right? question will be, who who does Andy hold, hand the job off to at some point, and how much Pat Mahomes is left when that happens? But even then, as you see with Shula, it took Greasy, and then, I mean, somewhat out of their control, Marino fell like a fucking rock to him. It's not like they just, you know, they... They did one of those uh, Red box where they, you know, were a playoff team and they had the third pick. No, they got Marino way at the end of the second or at the end of the first round, like pick 27, was it? Because it was like, is he on cocaine? What's his deal? And then as a rookie, right, they, don't they go to the uh, Super Bowl in 84? Was that his rookie year or was that his second year? I think it was the second the year. year he threw Washington 50, won? He threw 50 picks or he threw 50 touchdowns. Yeah, it would have been – their draft was 83, right? So he would have been the fall of 83 as a rookie – and that would have been, I think, Raiders, Washington Redskins, where Marcus Allen has the crazy run. I think the next year then is Montana Marino because Marino throws 50 picks as a second-year guy just throwing. Remember me and you, before we interviewed him at the Super Bowl, you're like, check out this YouTube. You see Montana, it's like... We did. I, we watched both of them. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like Andy Dalton, but it doesn't look like, you know, he ain't throwing BBs. And then you just see Marino come in throwing like Araldis Chapman. You're like, oh, my God. Just whoof. I saw someone tweet the other night, like, I don't know if Marino quite gets enough respect. It was like his last year in Miami. So he retires in 95. I think Marino was like, definitely played a couple years for Jimmy Johnson because I remember in the football life, him and Jimmy used to butt heads because Marino was, Marino was like Michael Jordan, like, let me shoot every time. Like, I want to fucking throw. And Jimmy was a little old school play D, run the ball. That's where you got to give Don Shula some credit. Like, they just opened up the fucking offense and let it Fling it well, way before his time, because like Jimmy Johnson would have been considered way more new school, right? Than Don Shula probably had him. You know, Don Shula's. I mean, even if Jimmy, let's say seventy now or late sixties, Don Shula was twenty plus years older than him. And most just football minds back in the eighties and nineties thought run the ball, play D. And Marino could barely move. He was a bad athlete at that time because his feet were all fucked up. But he could throw so hard. It was just woof. Oof. You could say one of the upsets in sports history is that Peak Marino and Don Shula, who was pretty probably still on his game, did not win a Super Bowl, right? Because you just say one of the best coaches, you know, he's easily a top three or four coach of all time, and, and Peak Dan Marino from like the mid 80s to like 91, 92, you couldn't. That was. The NFC was stacked. And that was the other thing is like the AFC wasn't quite as good in the 80s, it was the NFC. Right. Wonder if we really did a deep dive. I ended up watching the uh, the '89 draft maybe a couple weeks ago, and the Dolphins had passed on some players, and the, the Mel Kiper was just like, "Their defense is so terrible. How do you not take a defensive player?" And I wonder if they got super offensive heavy under Marino, just throwing the ball. They drafted a running back. And their defense was terrible. So maybe they, they couldn't, they were like last in the league in pass defense. Like they couldn't stop anybody. And you just, it's pretty clear you can't win that way, right? Big, big winners. Like you could, you could have a double digit win team, but it's going to be hard to win the playoffs if you can't stop a soul.
It's my yeah, their uh, 89 draft was not good. No. Sammy Smith with the ninth pick and uh, Lewis Oliver, DB, with the uh, 25th pick. Could have gotten Steve Atwater. Uh, they had the second best running back in that draft. Barry went one. Um, the top the top five of that draft was like Aikman, Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, Deion Sanders were four of the five picks. In the first and Tony five. Mandarich, who was on the cover of SI, like people thought he he was the offensive tackle from Michigan oh. State, who was like going to be the guy. Don't do steroids. But you're yeah. right. That's the four four Hall of Famers. Jeez, five Hall of Fame first round with Atwater. Uh, I watched it. There was an NFL Network thing. Like look back at the Dolphins, and it wasn't just the '72 Dolphins. It was a couple weeks ago, and they were just talking about how hard their practices were when Shula showed up. Just how well they were, just like so well conditioned, because they had trip. There were some days they had triple days. Shula was just whipping them into shape. What do you What do you think the weather was like in South Florida? Oh God! Here's the other thing, John. So he, John Carroll University, where Shula played and went to school. Is that McDaniel's school? McDaniels, Nick Casario, David Caldwell, Tom Telesco, two of the Poli- Chris Polian and Brian Polian, Greg, Ro- Greg Roman. Oh, yeah. I don't think the Poli- – no. Uh, there's three other current Polini's scouting – are like Youngstown State. Youngstown State, yeah. <laughs> three other current scouting assistants, one with the Bears and two with the Patriots are John Carroll guys. And they have a couple players, like London Fletcher went to John Carroll. But the the front office tree right now, John Carroll University is incredible. They got that's that's four that's three GMs and a guy who can be a head coach whenever he wants to. Polian, one of the Polians was an assistant GM. The other one is a coach for uh, what's his name in, uh, at Notre Dame, Brian Kelly. Yeah, he's special teams coach. Was he? He was used to be the head coach in Nevada, right? Is that that Polian? Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Brian. So Chris is the guy that worked in the front office. Yeah, but you know well, when when like, how do I get involved in the NFL? What do I do? I just like, fuck, just go to John Carroll. <laughs> They'll find you. Just get attached to the right guy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, last dance, episodes five and six. I I I mean, guy, I thought it was. Would you like two of the best hours of television I've ever seen so in my good. entire life? I can't the first get. Day, have you? Do you notice this on Sunday nights? The first episode goes so fast; it flies. I mean, it absolutely flies. I, I think the craziest thing is Michael Jordan used to lace his own shoes. Like, I mean, just for all the political and the golf and the gambling, Michael Jordan used to lace his own fucking tennis shoes. Like, I, I can't, I can't even fathom seeing like a Quinn Cook do that. Let alone LeBron or Steph. They're gonna lace their own shoes. And I yeah. think sometimes you realize just normal tasks in different generations, like to those guys, don't feel like, no, I don't, I don't lace my own shoes. You would just that was, never do that now. That was significant to me, too, watching it. And maybe part of it is just he, the way he got his mind right was just doing this little thing that he's probably done since he started playing basketball. Yeah. Also, Alyssa made this point. Do, shoe, do, any shoe, do shoes come unlaced now? When we were growing up, did you, when you ordered shoes or got a box shoes, were they usually unlaced? Because I, I think they kind of like were to, thinking back. Yeah, I yeah. think you had to lace them yourself. I think you did too. The other part is like, uh, it was nice to see as it relates to the shoes, because I always hear women talk about it. Like, God, I, how is she wearing those heels? Like, women always think they're the only ones that can't, that like heels kill their feet at the wet, at whatever, whatever they're doing. Like, God, how does she, and, and watching Jordan play in like his original shoes, 
in '98. Is that because they, they didn't have the padding or whatever? They weren't really. They just as good. Did, yeah, they weren't as pa- weren't as well padded, weren't as well yeah. structured. He's just, older. It's like her feet probably are killing her. She's just is hiding it, and like I think that too. When you watch a guy like, like oh man, those those are sweet. Like no, the ones that Gruden wears, the Hoka's, or the ones that uh, Pete Carroll wears, those are the only ones that your feet will feel good in. Forever. Uh, I, I, I think ones. his interview with the moderate shot about his gambling addiction, wearing the sunglasses is one of the great all times. I'm a full blown addict, but I have to do this for PR, but I can't even two look hours you in the eye. before. Like I can't even look you in the eye. I can't look you in the eye. Cause I'm like, I'm an addict right before a game starts. How about this? He told, he told, uh, Connie Chung. He's like, I'm not a, I'm not addicted to gambling. I'm just addicted to competition. It's weird because which I built, which is true. Yeah, I mean, I we're in this sweet spot in gambling. And listen, I've been gambling since I was in my teens going to Cash Creek. I've had to pick and choose as I've gotten older and made a lot more money that I have to be careful about betting on games and stuff because I can get like Mike too where you just kind of chase. Like, I understand Pete Rose. Again, money's all relative. Like, once you don't get any juice from a $50 game, it goes to 100 it goes to 500 and Jordan's the same thing, betting on golf, and you hear stories about Phil Mickelson. Like, they do get, even guys with a lot of money, get into situations where, God, I got to pay this guy $5 million. No different than yeah. if I had to give fucking, I, I put $2,000 into my bookie, and I don't get, and it disappears. Like, you're like, fuck, what did I just do? I actually think it's very, he has relatable vices. I, I thought it was very refreshing to, like, People aren't gambling the amount of money he's gambling. And I think, I forget who was and being don't interviewed. don't have the amount of money that he has. Yeah, like, it's so stupid. Like, it's just David Aldridge. Like, it's $10 to you. Now, is it smart? But I think we're getting to this point where gambling's huge. I mean, they're part of, like, the, we have gambling ads when sports are going on on our show. They're going to be people lot lose a lot of money. Now, some people can handle it. Some people can't. But I, it just showed you, like, 30 years ago, like, I was a big, like, no one even talks about that now. Like, I, I'm licking my lips for gambling to become legal, you know? But it's dramatic like that. I don't think that would be a story now. I do think Michael going to Atlantic City the night before a game. He went would with his dad, though. Yeah, that's what he said. But then the report was like his dad, his family, and friends. But my point is this: I think if an NBA Finals game occurred, or in that case, an Eastern Conference Final game occurred, and the team loses, they're down 2-0, and the guy doesn't play great, and it comes out now. Jordan's part of Jordan's thing is like I was home by midnight. They say I was out till two thirty. Whatever. I'm just saying, I do think that would be a controversy today. I would I would agree if Michael wasn't playing well. But back to, like, the Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, he was coming off fucking back-to-back MVPs, back-to-back finals MVPs, back-to-back championships. It would just, like, I'm sorry, Michael just gets the benefit of the doubt. Well, uh, it would have been controversial, but it's like yeah, Michael's it w- it still the winner. Been. He, was, he right. owned the well, league. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah. Be like, yeah, he's kicking everyone's ass. But I do think it would be. It would be maybe a, we'd would, eventually arrive at that conclusion. But it, that's not how it, it would. It start. would be. A, it would be a talking point for sure. Once he wins, like if he loses the series, then you look back and go, "Oh, that's awful." Now you win the series, then you win a chip. Okay. There was a political element of the last night, <clears throat> but I think there's a bigger like Michael Jordan. Whether it's his vices, whether it's just the way he acted, whether it was just the the commercials, the branding was great. But you just see that like last night, and I think even Phil. They just felt a little more normal. Like they, it's like drinking Miller Lights. It's just the NBA. Like you, you would never see an NBA player now drinking a beer. Like one, they all we all see them on Instagram. They all drink wine. It just kind of felt like, and even some of the 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 
previous you know ones from last week with Rodman like they're drinking beers like that's what normal people are like hey you want a six you just win a game like here's some beers like that's what normal people do. that's what happens in baseball now and then jump on still. a motorcycle was Rodman <laughs> it's like there's just some elements to now I personally I love golf I love that Michael loves golf so much I think he is addicted I think he's less addicted probably to I mean gambling is a huge part of his golfing but golfing is just addicting if you're competitive because you're like you th- always think you can get better but it's so hard you just he can't. You the know? gambling just, makes the comp makes him the competition in and of itself for him is great, but the gambling makes puts pre- it's the only way he can put the real pressure on himself. Like, do you think he would get shit for playing golf? I mean, Steph plays golf all the time; doesn't get any no. shit for that. No, but like when when they talk about when Will Purdue tells the story about Jordan wanting to come play in their one dollar blackjack hands just because he wants to have some of their money in his pocket. He couldn't do that a lot, but just just as a, you know, the one dollar doesn't give him enough juice often, but just to occasionally have a little, just so we could talk shit to somebody. I also think he's throwing quarters with the security guards. I'll give Ron Harper some credit. Like, yeah, if you compare the bankrolls, Ron Harper should not have been going dollar for dollar with Michael at the big boy table. You could argue Scotty like, bro, you're on the fucking cheap contract. What, What are you doing? But, you know, those guys, they all were the alphas on the team. Like, you can't let Michael, like, okay, you want to go? Like, who who's going to play with? Like, fucking Bushler, Steve Kerr, Weddington, Purdue. Like, they ain't playing with them, <laughs> you know? Fills up fucking Reed Zen Master shit. Like, that, that's his only option would to be Scotty and Ron Harper. They probably had no business relative. Like, at least now, you have multiple max guys on every team. Because there are, there are definitely games going on now on NBA planes that are just astronomical amounts of money right right like fifty thousand dollars for nice games you're your poor guy your poor guys are richer way richer i mean your mid-level exception guys making nine million dollars the, the, the nba salary has gone on fast faster than inflation right and that's why i think you know you've heard some stories historically about guys getting in you know some questionable fights you know they had the gun incident in washington i just think sometimes when it's one thing to talk a big game about it, and this gets back to gambling. It's another thing then to be like, you now owe me a... Again, it's money's all relative. I need $200,000 that you lost to me, right? $200,000. You're like, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm not paying you. And it's not like there's no legal binding contract. You just see how this shit can... That's why a lot of people like, put the money on the fucking table. It's because I'm taking it, right? There's no IOUs. I want a documentary on the Hustlers. Who was that guy? What was that guy's name? Like Sim... Sim... Simbali, Simbahar. Well, people were also like, one of the big things was Michael, and this happened to Phil. Like, they're with sketchy characters. Well, if you want to bet like a million dollars on something, who the fuck you think you're hanging out with? You're not just, you know, just Joe Schmo businessman, just ready to roll a but, thousand, but million dollars I, on I a golf game. Jo- yeah, Jordan just, t- it's not that like Jordan's hanging out of that guy's house. It's like Jordan has a guy who's like, hey man, I, I need to find a million, a big, big money game. And someone goes, yeah, I, I, I know a guy who will do a big money game with you, and then they bring that guy, and Jordan has a big money game. And that's well, how they meet. What happened to Phil, too, with all the insider trading guy, the guy that got in all the trouble? Because if, right. if, if you're dealing with seven-figure gambling, right? I'm talking seven figures on a golf match, on football games. Like, you're just... If, if you're not going to go through the MGM Grand, you're going to get a guy that's closer to the mob than it is the fucking uh, Supreme Court, right? You're, you're going to get a questionable character. And that guy usually... If it's, I mean, I, I would imagine Michael, a lot of gambling, same with Phil over the years. If I'm giving you a million dollars or $5 million or whatever I owe you, Michael ain't reporting that to taxes. 
and you know you start adding it up. That's why when the feds do get involved, and I don't know if they technically got involved in Michael. Phil's got it a lot worse than Michael ever did, right? I mean, Phil fucking might have gone down for insider trading for a second with that guy that got in all the trouble in Vegas because he was paying him like $4 million just in cash. And then you just, you get in kind of these weird situations where in fairness, I think Michael and Phil are like, I don't even, I barely know the motherfucker. You're acting like I know him like I know Scottie Pippen or something. That's bullshit. But it's like, well, you were around him for 18 holes. Fuck, I, I played golf with a lot of people over the years that I wouldn't say I know well. Or in gamble, even if I gambled like $10 on that round. Sure. Well, imagine if that number was $100,000 and I lost. I gave the guy money. You're like, who'd you give the money to? Like, fuck, I didn't even know the guy. He was Billy's friend. I just, I got invited to play Pebble and the fucker was there. Right. You, I, I actually am surprised more of these guys don't get involved with more shady characters, right? Well, they probably do. You just. Or you learn to siphon them out. Or just well, that's one them. thing he said, right? The guy who wrote the book, Jordan's like, it was, I learned a lesson. That's why he loves Chuck. Well, also, don't you think it's why those guys have such big trust issues? Absolutely. Like, you and I have been through a couple business things in the media where you just it shapes your opinion. I can't imagine on the level, uh, and, you know, it shapes me just a little less maybe naive than I used to been. You just, we look at something maybe a little differently. Can you imagine on the level of, like, your career might end, You at least at one point in time it crossed your mind, or, like, am I going to get in trouble with the law? Like, how would you trust anyone? How, finding, marrying somebody who knows how much money you make. Well, that's the other thing. It's like you when you duke, meet. <laughs> that's it, uh, it can't it can't be easy being. A, I'll defend NBA players on this. If you become a max NBA player and are single, like how are you going to meet someone? that's like we met organically. Yeah, you just side eye. That's why you did a movie thing, star. Like, you know, you hear it a lot, like with businessmen, like when she was young, she made more money than me. It's just when you're when you're talking low numbers, it's like, yeah, you know, when we met, I was making twenty seven million dollars a year. Like, and everyone well, knew it. Yeah, who the fuck else is even if you like even if you married the most impressive chick in town, like a partner at a law firm, that it would be hard if you're like a twenty eight year old guy to meet a woman that's mar- making like a million dollars. And even if she was making a million dollars, you'd still be making twenty seven times more than her. It's difficult. I, I feel they're first world problems. Yeah. I, I, for me, one of the biggest takeaways, I've always, like Jordan going to baseball is one of the big sto- sports stories in the history of sports, right? And there's what always was, been What this, was the team called? Birmingham. The Birmingham Barons. Francona, and, head coach or manager. Francona, yeah. White Sox, uh, double A? Single A, double A. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it was double A, yeah. Um, but like that story is always like, did Jordan was it a secret banishment because of Jordan's gambling problems? That story I've always been interested in, but I've never I didn't live it. I don't really know everything. I didn't I don't really have an opinion on that. I've always kind of felt like just generally conspiracy theories. I go, yeah, probably not. But I don't know. Enough people think it's real. I do think watching episodes five and six of The Last Dance, I, it, it's pretty clear to me that Michael was ready to walk away from basketball and thought he was ready to walk away and never return. And so I do believe the, the, I, the to, to me, the I saw John Stockton today. They wanted to interview John Stockton desperately for this, this documentary. He turned down the guy for like two straight years. 
And today, I think one of the guys on like Fox Sports Radio over the weekend had the producer, whoever, whatever the guy's name is that Jason ran the here. Or whoever yeah, was, I don't know. How he he said that I finally got Stockton on the phone. He said, "Listen, man, I'm not going to do your documentary. I'm not going to be part of a 10 hour Michael Jordan puff piece. So if you want to put your journalist hat on, you go. Well, Michael did. I don't know. He didn't control it, but." Mariotti wrote something apparently. Once he starts giving in and Michael is being great, you do, you'd have to work with him, right? Because he's scratching your back a little bit. You're not, and there are just elements of, because my counter would be, are you telling me you've set up fucking six hours of this documentary? He's the most maniacal, competitive human that everyone we've ever seen. We're like, even diehard sports fans now in 2020, we've read a lot of shit. We've seen a lot of shit, and it's glaring. This guy is nuts. Right, and he just like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not. I'm not disputing that he was. It was wearing him out, but he just like, I'm. I'm out of here. Because the so other t- element that's going to come up, his dad gets killed in this gambling on the side of the road, and then he quits. I'm just playing baseball. Yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, so we'll see. But I two things. One, it's not that he's. I, I have seen a lot of that, like Jordan's controlling the narrative, but a lot of this footage is from then. Makes it pretty clear that he's worn down and hates. But a lot his of what's going his on. his interviews with the bloodshot eyes is he drunk or high? Yeah, yeah are but playing those, a huge role in the show. No, there's no doubt. I'm just saying, watching the footage then is stuff that I've never really seen, and I can you watch that and go, yeah, this guy looks like he's ready to try something different. Secondarily, the value of Michael Jordan to David Stern. Like if David that's Stern where, had the option, that's where it made no sense to secretly suspend Michael and cover it up or cover it up and not secretly suspend Michael. I think he would have covered it up and not secretly suspended Michael. One thing, one thing conspiracy theory that I heard, or I think I've read and just, I mean, people have talked about this. There might've been a punishment coming Michael's way. Like, Hey man, like David was pissed. It sounds weird to even say that. Like was just mad for making the league look bad or whatever was going to give him a fine or maybe even just like a two game suspension. And Michael did like a fuck you on principle. Maybe they had a meeting and it gotcha. went kind of bad, which yeah. I think that to me is somewhat believable. That's plausible. Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to give you a million dollar fine. I was like, I can't afford to give him. I owe this shady guy a million. I owe this shady guy a million. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, I think it's fair. There are some red flags around it. Is it conspiracy on the crazy part? No. Is it as pure as he just wanted out? No, I think it's somewhere probably in the middle. Because you can't tell me the dad is dead on the side of the road. But, but again, like I, I know what I've kind of read. I didn't. That's what's great about this doc is for people like us. There's there's people who really did Michael and there's people who have no idea. And then there's people like us in our age range that like, yeah, I remember, I loved Michael and I had a Michael jersey. And I wanted the shoes. And I wanted Gatorade. And, but I wasn't living. I was just a kid who loved Michael Jordan. I wasn't reading. I didn't I didn't read the Jordan rules at the time. I didn't know about Jerry Krause. I didn't I wasn't like I might have listened to sports talk. I did as a kid, but I didn't really understand what was happening then the way. I don't think sports talk was as deep either. <laughs> I mean, I called a sports talk station. They let me on. So that tells you what they I were screening too. like. But so that, that's what's been great about this for me. And, and I think his dad's death is another one of those things that I know it's weird. And I know there's a bunch of versions. Right. But I don't I wasn't there. I didn't live it then and really understand the context of of kind of how it all unfolded, but it's, uh, I, I've enjoyed it. The Ku coach thing. I've seen some of that stuff before, but that was still great. Uh, the way they just went at anybody who represented Jerry Krause is just incredible. The other thing I, 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 I love how 
I could see Phil. I don't know if they have computers back then. Maybe just like giving them all the scouting reports on every dude Jerry Krause loves. Like, you know, J- Jerry told me that if we could ever get a hold of uh, this guy, Marley. it'd always be the guy they're playing. Like, Michael Jordan's like, yeah, we knew uh, Jerry Krause loved him. Like, you have his fucking scouting reports? Like, how do you know? He le- every team is like, oh, Jerry loved him. Jerry loved him. We're going to fuck him up. Yeah. I, the, awesome. the, to- the Tony part was cool. It's like, yeah, this guy, his worn, torn country has probably seen dudes get executed in front of him from like five years old till then. And then when the, even they were like, yeah, he kind of bounced back. We're like, even Michael mentioned, he's like, damn, this Tony guy kind of not bad showing. You know, I, the forgot be- they play, I forgot they played again. The best part about that to me that I didn't know, a lot of that stuff I think is in, maybe it's in the Team USA doc that came out a few years ago on NBA TV. But the part where it becomes clear that like, they're about to they're about to ambush Tony Kukoc. Like Tony Kukoc has no idea that he's part of some controversy back in Chicago. None. He has no idea that the fact that Jerry Krause came and visited him in the middle of Scottie Pippen's contract issue. Like he has no idea that that's a thing. And all of a sudden like these guys are just trying to take his head off. Well you, you tweeted this Incredible. a while ago and it's so true. You and I had a management issue and i think a lot of people have listened or that that are listening or going to watch this have been in a situation where you just don't see eye to eye with your boss and if it doesn't get back on track it gets dramatically worse and i think it's fair to say i've never been in like a toxic relationship but you hear a lot of stories about people in marriages that just go the wrong way that was in 90 fucking two (laughs) like they were at jerry crowd they didn't like him in 92 they went through 98, and it was not like an everyday. Like, those are long days. And it wasn't new in 92. And, and weeks, and I mean, that's, to have that much animosity, that is insanity. And it's not like, you know, Jerry wasn't even around that much. Every fucking video, Jerry Krause is standing right there. It's like you couldn't get away from him. How about <laughs> the me- interview he does after, was that after the Portland Championship, where he's like, adamant. Teams are important, but this is a top-down organization. The top-down. Jerry Reinsdorf on down. It's like, yeah, well, you're number two. Everybody, top to bottom, top to bottom. I was like, this guy's insane. Well, I, I think I think that's the quote that pissed him off. for a, that, that, like, doubled down. Because remember one of the first documentaries, one of the first episodes, that pit, Michael was like, why do you even say that? So yeah. I think Jerry being so insecure, like – we're getting the big stories, but I think they were just constant. Like we love this guy in the draft. We think he's going to be our next member. And that's where I think Michael was always so mad. Like motherfucker, we've been winning for you. Can you, why don't you never say, God, I love Michael. And it's not even Michael doesn't need a little HJ, but it's more like, what the fuck's your problem, bro? You're always around. You're always looking at us. Then I'd say, well, part of it, Michael, you're being an asshole to him. So I think that's his way to get back at you. It's kind of like, you know, you're just being passive aggressive with your shots. Michael's not. He's always making short jokes. But what's Jerry going to say? Fuck you. No, he can't. Well, what he can say is, I think Tony can be a big three. I think Tony has a chance to be an all time great bull. And they're like, what? By the way, he didn't become an all time great, great, but he nailed that one. Jerry th- nailed a lot of decisions. Well, Jerry's pretty good, guy. Hired Phil, got Tony, got Tim, Rodman. Tim Floyd was, was a bad one, but. But it never went down, right? Because I saw no, they Tim, hired Tim. He hired Tim Floyd. Well, I saw Tim Floyd say that they tried to hire him in '89 and '96. It didn't go down. Yeah, but eventually he replaced Phil. He did, but at least they got six rings before. It, That's right? the other part that 
like the fact that Jordan left and Phil still was there through like we're we're kind of lucky, right, that Phil was still the coach of the Bulls when Jordan wanted to come back, whatever it was, eighteen months later after he leaves. Like the Krause didn't take the opportunity to reset the whole thing right then and there. It's kind of crazy. What about Michael not really kissing Kobe's ass? You know, he kind of big leagued him in the hallway. He was kind of nice to him, but oh, he wasn't initially, like, yeah, nineteen. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't Mister Lover. I could get a whole documentary that's just like locker room footage of guys talking, them talking about Kobe. Like I, three times in a row, he's not getting the ball back. Right? Was Jordan's comment? Magic well, coming in, all that be, stuff. The All Star game. Because people forget when Kobe showed up, he's kind of call. He kind of went Babe Ruth calling a shot, right? Yeah. Like motherfucker, I'm here. I'm gonna be the next that guy. And Michael already hates that type shit. You're gonna be next me. And then and then you're watching him. He's just gunning, but he is so good. And then the you didn't know that much about him. It's not like well, guys, he has a historical work ethic. He's gonna you're gonna have to fucking kill him. He's tough as nails. No one knows that shit yet. He's just like this 19 year old kid, cocky as a motherfucker. But you could you could say because. It actually turned out to be like his defining characteristic, but a lot of guys they go the other way, right? They just that works against them, and he just refused to fail. Did they, did I watch this? They didn't have Jordan's. Uh, it must have been Van Pelt afterwards that they played some of Jordan's speech from Kobe's memorial service. Yeah, not in the thing. Yeah, one and I think what one Kobe. One thing I I think what Kobe saying, like I'm everything because of him. I don't necessarily think it was just purely like their relationship. I just think Kobe's like everything he did, I wanted to emulate. So when I heard these stories about this motherfucker being in the gym, when other guys weren't, I was going to do that. Well, like, he, I think, he, yeah, I, I don't think they were like texting but, all the time or calling, right? Well, there was some of that. Remember, Michael talks about it in his speech that like a, get as a text the relationship as it went grew. On. But I think when but Kobe right. was developing the Mamba mentality, like as a young guy, Michael wasn't like fucking calling them. They weren't boys. It was more, well, I'm just going to do what this guy does. Yeah, and part of that is just, this guy showed me the blueprint. Like, all my moves, I got them from him. Like, how could I... He gave me the blueprint. The you blueprint know what's... was there for everybody to see. I had the ability to copy it. And, and I mean, this... If Kobe, Michael, and even LeBron, if there would have been more sweet overlap. I mean, there was with Kobe and LeBron, but their teams never matched up, right? Yeah. And even Kobe and Michael... That was the second year. It was '98. It was over, and then I don't even count the Wizards. If right. there would have been, think of Kobe would have been like three years older, or Michael yeah. just would have had a little longer career. I did think that, like the fact that the Lakers, like how sweet if the Lakers and Bulls had met in the finals. Yeah, or even like, but if the, Michael had stuck around, if if Phil had stayed, if Michael had stayed and played, Michael might have played three. I mean, who knows? What if they? What if they? What if the, what if the Heat had been a little better, or the Cavs had been a little better, and they could have played the Lakers and beat the Celtics? We would have yeah. get kind of a younger, sweet LeBron, and he just would have had his moment like Jordan against Magic and Larry, where you never really got LeBron against Kobe. It's just, it's always I love when those things kind of cross over, right? You know the eras. Yeah, but you know beggars can't be choosers. I'm gonna start throwing quarters around the house. I don't. Is that game just whoever can get it to stay closest to the yeah, wall? Yeah, I think or you just the wall? just a purely made up game to bet. <laughs> Right, you're, you're just trying to get as close to the wall as possible. I mean, ideally, you want to hug the wall, yeah, just or just t- maybe it has to be touching the wall. I don't. I think it was just the closest to the wall wins. I love that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the basic level of gambling, right? Who can ro- who can throw a ball farther? Like the most basic level of any gambling is like who's faster, who can throw, who's stronger, That's who right. can do this, and then it gets to as games get developed, like a football game. Like, what team do you want? Remember, really, I'd say gambling started with fighting. 
Like this guy's fighting this guy. Who? What guy do you want? Yes. And then baseball was Cock big. Fights. Baseball, Chickens. yeah. I'm, uh, this is like the 1800s. Then baseball gets developed in fucking 18 whatever. You start betting on teams, and then as the money gets you know up, you get a little corruption. Yeah, because when did racing, when did this, I'm sure it was what, when did the scandal happen with Ty Cobb? 1919. 1919, yeah. Black Sox. Um, the oh, yeah. I was just gonna say I when I I remember a few years traveling around when I was doing the uh, minor league arena football. Those guys would always play dice in the hallway of the, of the motels, and I always wanted to like just hang out and watch, but I never quite understood what was happening, and so I never did. Were I they guess playing I could do a number. Googled. I don't. I. I don't know how you. I don't. I never. I've never Googled it. Maybe it's easy. How just how throwing dice works. Well, like a, a but big they would game. Just be throwing dice down the hallway. Well, I know a big game at like my brother's country club and just a couple country clubs I've been to is liars dice. You know, you get the little cup with five dice in. Oh yeah. Shake it and you put it down and then you hold it up so everyone puts twenty or forty in the pot and you just go around and you just say like, you know, there are five sets of five dice, so there are twenty five dice. And you just say like four fours, and you, you keep building up, right? Then people you just five. bet on whether you're telling the truth or not. Well, no, no, no. You just say four fours. Then it goes to the next guy, and he would say like five sixes, and it, you just keep having to up the number six something or a higher number, and then eventually gotcha. I can call you out. So if you go seven sixes, I go bullshit or liar. We all lift up, and if you if you were wrong and there aren't seven sixes. You have to take one of your dice away. If I called you out and you were right, I got to take one of my dice away. And the last guy standing wins the pot. That's okay. liar's dice, and that's gotcha. a, it's an easy gambling over fucking drinks at a country. You know, it happens in a lot of country clubs. It's like playing war, but a little more complicated. Yeah, but it, once you start playing, it's really not complicated. It's all kind of a math equation, but it's just kind of a feel of bluffing and shit. Yeah, and it can that's just, fun. It gets juiced up fast. Like yeah. you just start throwing some cash around. That's good. I'm sure Michael's played it many times. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, adios, Pelota. We'll, we'll get some other videos to uh, to put up on YouTube, so we'll get yeah. to that. If you're listening to this and you haven't gone to the YouTube channel, or if you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't subscribed. Yeah, subscribe to them both. Holla like we got a, we got a fire down in the marina. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Would you jump out of your window if you had to, to save your life? We've got a fire escape. Oh, so you're good then. Kind of high. I've thought about that. I'm third floor. What if I can't get out? I'd need a rope. Yeah, get the Alex Smith leg injury. I know. On the way down. At best. <laughs> Adios. Later. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.